Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Stoke the Wild. We are back this week, uh, last week being on the road a little bit. Joy and I were traveling, doing some guest speaking in some different places, but we're back. Back in the old hometown, right Joy? Yep, it's good to be back. Good to be back and we are um, in the process of recovering from just some crazy couple of weeks that we've had. Yeah, it's been super busy. Very busy. Like, so busy. Terribly busy. Incredibly busy. Fantastically synonymous with busy. <laughs> so, um, but we, uh, it's, it's been very cool because we had, like, last week we had that opportunity to uh, interview Sarah Close. We've had um, yeah. Melissa Zaldivar on the show a couple yeah. weeks ago. And, of course, some of our other guests from early on in the um, early on in our, our show process and, and we're mm-hmm. going to continue to have more. So it's been very cool to be able to interview a couple of different people and to continue, uh, moving through the show and talking about creativity, the arts and yeah. all sorts of stuff. So if you're brand new to the show, if you're just, uh, jumping in, in this episode and it's your first one, mm-hmm. uh, we spend, um, we spend the show talking about creativity, the arts, some of the things that we're working on projects or things that we've recently encountered mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's just our opportunity to be able to discuss the creativity within us and the things that inspire us to be creative. And uh, so, yeah, to, today we're going to be kind of talking a little bit about some of the stuff that has gone on this last week for us. Yeah. Uh, we read a, we had our arts festival last Saturday. Yeah. Uh, that was July 20th um, mm-hmm. out in Morris, Illinois. And uh, so it was our first festival. It was my, my first convention festival in a little over a year, uh, mm-hmm. just with some of the stuff that I had had going on. And then it was Joyce's kind of first festival where she... Um, where I was a part of things. Where you were a part of things. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we were there a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But I didn't stay. I was home with the kids and kind of like came back and forth. Um, so, it w- yeah, this was my first experience, like staying, being behind the table. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was excruciatingly hot. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, it was one of the stuff. hottest days on record uh, in July around here for us. We had uh, Unreal. We were in the middle of a heat um, warning, was it? Or like advisory. 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 I don't know what they were advising, <laughs> but there was an advisory. It was like legitimately don't stay outside for longer than like 30 minutes. Oh, we yeah. Were we were there for like 10 hours. For 10 hours. <laughs> it was so hot. I drank seven liters of water. So much water it, and ice and like cold rags that was so nice they came around with cold water and like ice cold wet towels and they just kept handing them out and uh i was really glad in that moment that we brought a cooler with ice and water in it because when we when our towel got hot we could throw it in the cooler and we get cold and wet again pull it out wring it out put it back on you know the back of your neck wipe all of that nasty sweat off your face it was good stuff yeah, thank you to everybody who came out to the Arts Festival last week yeah. and, and came by and saw us. We had a great turnout. Yeah, plenty of familiar faces, but also a couple of new people, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. And uh, so it was very exciting, once again, at least for me, having done this before, but having mm-hmm. not done it in a while with my schedule, um, to kind of 
have set up a table, be out there, yeah. uh, have my art on display, have my work on display, mm-hmm. be able to talk about what it is we do and what we work on. And um, before it got too hot during the day, even do some demo painting and, and talk to people as I painted, which was really cool. Yeah. And so thank you guys for uh, anyone who stopped by, bought something, spent some time talking to us and supporting us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, what was really cool for me was... Uh, seeing the response to um, some of the new pieces I've done. Yeah. Uh, on my Instagram page, you can kind of follow along with some of the artwork that I've been doing. Um, but I created uh, f- probably about a month or so ago, maybe even a little longer now, uh, some watercolor dinosaur skulls, mm-hmm. uh, fossil pieces of the T-Rex and Dilophosaurus and some others. Yeah. And... Um, those original pieces I still have for sale, but the uh, I, t- I kind of did some Photoshop work with them and some design stuff and created like this dinosaur um, x-ray fossil kind of poster and postcards and some different things like that. And I was super encouraged and excited about the fact that um, a lot of people responded well to those and picked those yeah. up, mm-hmm. which was really cool. You know what else was really fun for me? that there were a couple of people who came up to you and looked around and then they lost their minds and they were like, you know about Firefly? And they were so excited. Yeah. Yeah. That was like one of my favorite moments, like completely lost it. It was great. So this art festival, um, if you've never been out to Morris, Illinois, um, which I don't know why you wouldn't, but uh, <laughs> if you are like Morris, I've heard of this place. Um, so at this art festival, there's a lot of crafters, a lot of vendors um, and, and artists. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot in the way of pop culture art, though, at this festival. Um, so you'll, right. find, you'll find a few things, you know, um, what, while I'm there, like I have some, of course, and then there's maybe one or two other uh, tables or booths where there's some pop culture stuff. Yeah. Um, for the most part, though, everything is very homey and, um, you know, kind of crafted towards the styles of the Midwest. And mm-hmm. that's awesome. There's a lot of great stuff out there. Uh, or it's very, very fine art and yes, yeah, very beautiful, like, stylistic for, like, gallery. And, yeah, you and, know. like, absolutely <clears throat> incredible detailed work and we're going to talk about an artist that we both saw while we were there that was brilliant um in a little while but the um you know so it's kind of i don't want to say it's a mixed bag but you're going to find a whole lot of different stuff while you're there Mm -hmm. and pop culture is on the smaller side of what you're going to find there so as people came by to our booth and they saw some of my older paintings or older prints and stuff that i had up there one of the other ones that people reacted to uh, they didn't necessarily buy it, but the reacted to a lot was this uh, Serenity piece, uh, the ship from the TV show Firefly and the movie Serenity by Joss Whedon. Yes. Um, and which I painted in watercolor, and then I have prints of still once the original sold a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, seeing the reaction and then being like, whoa, whoa Serenity from Firefly. Yeah, <laughs> like you know about that? <clears throat> it's really it was, funny. Yeah, it's cool. And people connect with that stuff, and it's it's fun when they do. Yeah, and it, it gives you an opportunity to have a conversation with someone. Um, I think that for me that was one of the more difficult 
things was that some people would come in and silently start to look around and I was like, I want to say hello. I want to sort of start talking, have a conversation with them because it feels very weird to be in such close proximity to people and not be speaking to them while they're looking at your stuff, thinking about buying it. Yeah. So, but for me, it was sometimes like, well, none of this is my work. So how do I start this conversation? Um, and so it was nice when people would have that initial reaction. It was fun because you could just start, you know, it was organic. You could just start talking. Yeah. Um, over the years, as I've been a part of shows and, and festivals and things like that, that has always been my biggest hurdle. Oh, really? Is, yeah. Is how much talk is mm -hmm. too much talk? Because some people, just like at a car dealership, is their immediate thought is you're just trying to sell me. Oh, you yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, you know, if if I can, I I would like you to buy something, right? If yeah. I can convert a conversation into cash, <laughs> you know, I mean that would be great. Then that's a win for me, and hopefully a win for you because you're excited about what you're taking home. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time. Yeah, at the same time, ultimately, like, the connection of, like, oh, you really like this? Man, that means a lot. Um, is super helpful. Yeah. And it's encouraging. Even if it doesn't end in a sale, it means that it connects with people. Exactly. Um, although, some some people I've done art shows with, some friends of mine, it's, um, they, they talk about how compliments don't pay the bills. So, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, when you do it, like, as your only gig... Like I'm, you know, for example, I'm only an artist and so I only go to conventions and festivals and that's how I make my money to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. It's understandable then, excuse me, <clears throat> it's understandable then that like, you know, after a while you're like, cool, like I really appreciate how much you like it. Mm -hmm. Will you buy it? You know, it's kind of like the, sure. next, the next step in the, the hopes of that conversation because... Yeah. This isn't just something you're doing on the side. This is your means. And yeah. you want to make sure that that connects in such a way that you're able to take care of yourself or, you know, your family, if you got a family or whatever. Yes. So, so I get it. Uh, but for, for me, this being the first one in over a year, mm -hmm. I, I didn't really care if I sold anything. Mm -hmm. I cared about just being out there and connecting with people again and being able to talk about what I do and the things that I like to create and have good conversations. Yeah. And for me, that succeeded. And yes. that was a benefit and I really enjoyed it. And yes, I, you know, I did sell some stuff and so that made it even better on top of it. Right. And exceeded my expectations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> for me, um, I was just excited to see so much foot traffic, you know, coming through um, people picking up a card and taking it with them. You ended up, uh, I think, with at least one commission, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so, and that's that's great because that means that people saw your work and they liked it, and they liked it enough to say, hey, I wonder if you could do a piece based around this. Um, and I think that that's great, and and I, I loved seeing that, and... And it was just fun interacting with so many different people um, because there are so many different kinds of people who come to festivals and, and stuff like that. Um, so it was really 
great to get to know kind of this different mix of personalities and styles and and just see everyone come through and ultimately whether they seemed like your you know classical midwest uh culture or um maybe they were a little bit uh i don't know younger like more more into pop culture uh things like that then no matter who they were they all appreciated it and they all enjoyed it yeah Uh, so that for me was was really fun to see i also really loved seeing all of the different styles of art like you mentioned before that it is there are so many different uh types of artists and crafters and vendors and 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 so many different styles involved yeah i mean you would have people out there <clears throat> selling like pallet art uh using reclaimed wood with paintings on it or like wood burnings or carvings into it you had people selling uh pottery and um homemade yeah. homemade like bowls and stuff like out of wood or clay and <clears throat> you had people selling paintings of course uh there was this there's a four-year-old girl there that was my favorite one she, of my favorites who just likes to paint and her mom bought her a little table and she had all of her paintings out there and she was really good she'd just been painting since she was since know, she could hold a paintbrush hold the paintbrush yeah. yeah and she she was just painting and painting and painting and so mm-hmm. um for someone like that to see see the world through the artistic perspective and then have it be so well done yeah. for how old she is yeah and it really was like it I mean, was it was beautiful things in perspective and with color and just really great a lot of landscape stuff but you could tell that you know she knew what she was doing even as a four-year-old yeah you know? and her mom was an artist um, or is an artist and so like that kind of help and instruction which is really cool um yeah so you had stuff like that and then you had you know jewelry and crafters and and other people selling things that they've made at home and mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. you had pencil art and, and and ink art and then you you had all these different things yeah um i think my favorite thing i cuz i asked uh, the mom and the daughter you know how did she get started did she take art classes like was it in preschool how did this begin and she said well i'm a watercolor artist and she said, my daughter always wanted to use my watercolors. And she said, and in the beginning, it was kind of okay. It was fine. You know, she was very small. She could only do a little. Um, and she said, but then as she got a little bit older, it was time to get her her, new, her own stuff. Um, because at that age, it's like, you know, you're moving through and using paint and she paints all the time. And the mom was, you know, basically saying, saying without saying it, like, I'm a professional watercolor artist. My watercolors are expensive. My four-year-old paints all the time and I can't afford to, yeah, I can't afford to do this. So she ended up getting her an acrylic set and her own brushes and things like that so that she can work on her own and she doesn't have to feel like, you know, oh no, I'm using all of mom's stuff or whatever. And uh, she said, and, and that's so great because we can paint together and I can allow her to just do as many pieces as she wants. Um, 
so I thought that was just so wonderful that she took the time to include her daughter in that and to say, you know, yeah, you like, you like this, you love this. Let's move forward. Let's, you know, encourage that in you and give you the freedom to create as much as you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is really cool because you don't often see that, you know, as we've talked about before, um, you know, whether it's with our guests who are on like, Hey, so how did you, how did creativity start in you? Well, you know, I had this feeling and maybe my parents helped with that. Maybe mm-hmm. they didn't, you know, right. whereas in our own experiences, you know, um, all my parents were super supportive, but I had teachers who were like, don't be an artist or don't do this. Right. You know, and so right. the world views art in so many different ways, you know. Yeah, it really does. At the same time that we had people who stopped by our booth and were super excited, we still had plenty of people who looked at it and then just kept walking. Yeah, you know, because it, it just wasn't for them. Right, and there are people who don't connect with stuff. Right. and Or they don't understand it, or they maybe stop by and they look, and they're like, oh, that's neat, and then they look at the price and they're like, what? You know, because they don't get... They don't understand the amount of man hours. That's not a word. I don't remember what I was trying to say. But the amount of work, the amount of, of hours put into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the perspective on what it is you're doing, it's like, oh, this is a six foot by seven foot like painting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I understand why it's a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, that painting should be a couple thousand probably. Right. Um, first of all. <laughs> and then, you know, the... Oh, because did, it is good work. Yeah. Oh, oh, you did like a little eight and a half by 11 like painting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that painting still took me hours and hours and hours, so that's why it's, yeah. you know, a couple and hundred bucks or whatever. And then people right. are like, I don't, I don't understand it because I don't see the value in something so, quote unquote, small mm-hmm. or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's all about your time, your precision, you know, how dedicated you are, yeah. the work that you put in. Yeah, and and like the details, that those details matter in such a small piece. And it's harder, in my opinion. I think it's very difficult to um, to have consistent, good detail in very small pieces. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I'm, I'm the giant uh, six by seven person. That, that's my that's more comfortable for me. That, which is funny because I definitely feel more comfortable working small, yeah, and then enlarging it. Like yeah, uh, I want to I want to get a projector, yeah, and you know be able to work small and like project like at my image once I've done like mm. the pencil sketch like mm-hmm. a little bit bigger and start creating some bigger pieces yeah. Uh, but it's like the only way I can think of to do it because I when I start, once I start drawing too big I begin to lose like the proportions. Oh you know, yeah, like yeah. it's easier for me to see it when it's smaller. Sure, <clears throat> I. I mean, I have not actually done a six foot by seven foot piece, but I, I do like to work larger than you do, I think. Yeah. Um, but I'm learning to appreciate the details. I mean, I, I appreciate them when I see them, but I'm learning to appreciate trying to create them in small pieces. So, yeah. Speaking of details. So the artists that Joy and I saw while we were 
uh, at the arts festival that we both really, really enjoyed. Oh my gosh. Her name is Dorothy Burry Shaw. And maybe some of you have heard of her. Maybe you haven't. Um, but I'm going to link her website below so you guys can check out her stuff. Yeah. And she doesn't know that I'm talking about her on the show. <laughs> Although I did tell her we had a podcast. I was like, we have a podcast. We talk about art, you know, in hopes that maybe I could one day get her to be on the I show. I was just going to say that. I, I have like <laughs> this secret dream of somehow getting her on the show. Yeah. And yeah. she's... I mean, she's crazy. Just like, here's a, just a little bit about her. So <clears throat> she's from Chicago. She graduated from the Chicago Academy of Fine Art. Um, and she uh, she's worked f- as a freelancer in editorial illustration. She's worked with Chicago Magazine, the Chicago Sometimes, the Tribune, Midwest Magazine, and a whole lot more. Um, but working in fine art is what her true calling is. And in 2013, she f- uh, started to uh, create... Um, what she calls sacred art and poetry. So her work that you'll find on her website is very reminiscent of like stained glass paintings or stained glass work like you'd see in like a church or, Mm -hmm. you know. um, It reminded me a lot of, uh, it reminded me a lot of icons. Yeah, it's very um, iconography and visual, like, um, you know, sacred, um, you know, like this is the image of a person and but it's stylized into this stained glass type of feel but it's not stained glass so no. it's all it's all watercolor acrylic or oil um micron pens yeah, or, yeah you know or a combination of all those things some yeah. of it's collage and done that way mm-hmm. um but the work that she does is just so unique and beautiful and then she crafts these stories and poems which I resonated with because that's something I'm currently doing with the mm-hmm. children's book I'm working on. But these yeah. illustrations that work along sl- uh, alongside these stories she's writing uh, or these poems she's writing, and some of them are based in you know Greek mythology, some are based mm-hmm. in historical events, and some are just based on the madness of her own imagination, which <laughs> I absolutely love and adore because that's like how I feel about everything. Yeah. And, uh, and so you can find her pieces and each one is, uh, each original piece takes months to complete. Um, yeah. As I was talking Some of with them her, years, she said. Yeah. As I was talking with her, um, she said that she has, um, she has eye fatigue, right? And I think she was telling you that too. She was, yeah. Dorothy has eye fatigue. And essentially what that means is that the muscles in her eyes get so very tired, particularly if she is focusing on something small, which is terribly ironic because she has so many small, fine details in her work. And it's one of the things that sets her apart. Uh, she could do the same paintings without all of the incredibly small uh, details that she includes, and they would still be cool, but it would not be such, I don't even know, it would not be such an experience, it would not be what it is. So she has this eye fatigue, and essentially what it means is that she can only work on any piece, any one thing, for 15 minutes. That's it. Yeah, and so some of these pieces are... Sorry, I just dropped my phone onto the table <laughs> and made a loud noise, if you heard that. That's me being clumsy at early in the morning. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but with that eye fatigue, she, um, yeah, she can only paint or draw or sketch or 
you know, whatever it is she's working on for about 15 minutes before she needs to take a break. And mm -hmm. so when you have like a large piece, you know, um, a 20 by 24 piece or however, you know, big that is yeah. uh, that she's working on. 15 minutes is not a lot of time when you think about, I'm going to sit down and paint. Right. So, sometimes in 15 minutes, I'm still sketching out my initial idea or in 15 right. minutes, I'm just laying down a little bit of line work or whatever it is. Or uh, yeah. I'm using red now, you know, and it's just like. <laughs> yeah, like you get <clears throat> 15 minutes of I'm using this color. Um, yeah, and then she didn't tell me how long she has to wait before she feels like she can get back into it. No, but uh, she didn't give me a, a specific time frame, but she made it sound like, just based on our conversation, it sounds like a decent amount of time, like at least equal to the amount of time she's been working, uh, if not longer. So, so let's say she had, for every 15 minutes she works, she has to rest for 15 minutes. Yeah, which I think would be quick. Yeah, it would be quick. So on the quick end, that's a half hour out of every hour that mm -hmm. she would work. If she worked eight hours a day on a painting, she's only painting for actually four hours. Some of these yeah. pieces has, have taken her over 100 hours. There make. was a piece that took over 1,000. That is crazy. I know. So then if you multiply that by two at the quickest. Yes. Let's say it's 2,000 2, hours of rest and then painting oh and gosh. rest and then painting. And, but to see what it becomes is so amazing. Incredible. Incredible. And it's no wonder that it's taken her, like if she's working on that piece over a year to get it done. You know you what? Know. Yeah. But it, she's also probably working on things simultaneously. Like I'm going to do you know, two of those hours of work here, two yes. of those hours of work on this one or whatever. Yeah, she said that she works on multiple pieces at once because she'll get an idea and she's halfway through another piece and she's like, well, I might as well start another one. Yeah. And she just keeps going. And um, But actually that brings up an incredible thing. Uh, two things, actually. She um, Part of what makes her work so unique is that it does include a lot of line work. Uh, she uses micron pens, and she does a lot of line work within everything. Uh, it's it's very hard to describe, but she creates uh, dimension and shadows and textures with all of this line work with micron pens and hash marks, like through different things to create this um, to create this dimension, and it's beautiful. But within that, she said that one of the most difficult things right is that because of her eye fatigue she can only do it for 15 minutes she said the hash marks are the hardest for her with her eye fatigue and she said and this struck me the worst part is when I'm working on a piece and I don't really like it that much but I have to finish it yeah. and I thought wow I do not often finish work uh, when it comes to art that I don't really like. If I don't love it, I trash it. Yeah. And she's like, I, ha I have to finish it. It's something that I began. It's got a story and it has a personality of its own and I may not love everything about it. I may wish that I had done something differently or think, oh, I could have done that better, but I'm partway through it now, and I'm doing the work, and I'm finishing it because it deserves to be finished. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought that was beautiful. That even with eye fatigue, even with all of the hard work and, and detail that goes into each piece, I mean, you can tell that she loves her her work and that she loves her pieces. And I don't mean in a conceited, prideful sort of way. I mean, she loves them like they have their own personality, like they are people almost. She loves them in that way because she has put her love into them. And um, it was wonderful having that conversation with her of, yeah, I don't always like everything that I make. And she said, I don't love all of these pieces here. Everything that she had uh, on display at the festival was everything that she had ever uh, made. Right, and, and that since she started doing that style of yes. design. Yeah, so she's, she said, these are all of my pieces. And I was like, what? You How? And she, and she said, because they all take so long. And she said, the originals are so big um she said she really prefers you know using bigger work so that she can get more of those hash marks in and the more of those lines in and um she said you know a lot of people don't understand the amount of time and effort put into them and so they see a piece and they're like whoa i can't afford that you know because it is hundreds and hundreds of dollars but they see a smaller print of it. And she prints with gicle, I think is how she said it's pronounced, um, which is a little bit more expensive way of printing, but it gives you that um, that texture that is more accurate with the, uh, m- more accurately depicts the texture of the original piece. So you get this incredible fine art, which is a print, but it's much more affordable, even though it is still more expensive uh, than your average print, um, it's worth it because it's it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had to, uh, I, I think I think she only had one or two of her originals out there because of the size. Yes. With her that day. Um, yeah. And so everything else was, was prints and um, it was worth the cost of, uh, of one of the smaller ones that I, uh, like I couldn't stop staring at. It was beautiful. And for me, that's the sign of something that is really, really strong in a piece. If I can't stop, like, coming back to it, yeah. then if I can, then I'm taking that piece home with me. Right. And I still got to get a frame for it and, and hang it up, but it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's called, it's going to sound super weird, I'm sure, but I'm, I'm fine with it. It's called the Mermaid Secret, the piece that I, yeah. that I really liked. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it's just the lines and the way that it looks, um, and the the motion that you feel in it, the motion and the emotion that you feel when you look at it. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't stop staring. But all of her art um, is fantastic, and so mm-hmm. I'll have a I'll have a link to her website. You guys can check that out as well. Just since we talked about her, and um, yeah, she she won. This is her first time at the Liberty Arts Festival. Um, and it's no surprise that she won first place. They do a, a juried like art walk. Yes. And uh, she won first place for her art, and so amazing. So um, good. Yeah, so very very good. And uh, she's won a bunch of awards and stuff across 
all the different places she's been since she started doing this type of work in 2013, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And, um, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, uh, she she did say that she goes to a lot of festivals and uh, they travel all over doing this, um, but that this was her first time at Liberty Arts. And, um, gosh, it was it was amazing. And actually, one of the things, too, that, that struck me about Dorothy uh was the like it was so hot like we've we've expressed that and uh maybe a little too much but dorothy's sitting there and she's like just straight chilling she looks like nothing is bothering her she (laughs) looks like completely unimpressed by the level of heat that we're experiencing and i was like uh so you seem to be handling the heat very well much better than we are are like how are you doing this she's like oh no i'm so hot i hate this (laughs) she's like i love being here at the festival but i hate this heat It is very difficult to cope with and i was like you do not look like you're struggling to cope with this at all and she said well you know i'm sweating anyway and i'm you know gonna be out here in this heat anyway and i have to deal with it and that's just life. And so what good is it going to do for me to, you know, be agitated and like, you know, behave in a way that's like, oh my gosh, so hard, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's not going to make me any cooler. So I might as well just sit here and accept it's fine. Everything's fine. And I, <laughs> I looked at her and I thought I should be more like Dorothy <laughs> uh, as I was not in that I was not behaving that way at all but um it was just there was something about her personality uh and her her attitude her her mindset and and all of her work that made me want to uh follow her and I mean that in a sense of like go to more festivals in hopes of seeing her again. Like I want to go find her. <laughs> and um, I think that that's a unique experience that if you have that kind of connection with art, with an artist where you uh, feel something that deeply when you look at their work and when you speak with them, that I think is a sign of, someone who should never not be an artist like that is their life's calling a hundred percent so the art festival was really great and uh one of the other things though that i want to talk about just for a little bit um for any of you dweebalos out there like me um some of you comic book nerds uh this was also this past week was also san diego comic-con oh yeah and as a comic book and movie enthusiast and someone who likes to draw comic books and all that stuff and storytelling. It was a big week with exciting news and information out there, especially if you're a fan of any MCU Marvel movies. They dropped a couple of big announcements for their Phase 4 stuff now that the Infinity Saga has wrapped up with uh, Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's uh, some pretty cool stuff. We've got... um, an interesting kind of lineup with that because Disney is uh, shifting some of their um, 
storytelling to their new Disney streaming service, which comes out in November, Disney Plus. And this is not an advertisement um, for them, but I will be getting it because I cannot go without these stories. So um, <laughs> we have like a Hawkeye series, a Loki series, a Wanda and Vision series um, that they're going to be doing. And um, all of those things are interconnected to the MCU, according to the timeline and the, the news and information that Kevin Feige, uh, the uh, head of creative content at Marvel Studios, kind of talked about. Um, this past week. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to have anything intertwined with the movies that will be released, uh, they will also work into those series, which is crazy. So we have a Black Widow movie coming out next May. That's the first movie in Phase 4. Mm -hmm. um, finally, after 10 years, um, <laughs> yeah. there will be a Natasha Romanoff Black Widow movie with Scarlett Johansson. Mm -hmm. She's been in the MCU since Iron Man 2. And... Finally, we'll have her own film. Yeah. So that's exciting. We've got an Eternals movie, which is all about like the celestial beings that help create the universe in the Marvel Universe set, I think, probably before anything even began, which would hmm. be crazy. Maybe the creation of the stones. Who knows? Um, but it's got like Angelina Jolie in it and some other people and uh, like Brian Tyree Henry, uh, who is the voice of um, Miles' dad and in Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, uh, yeah. Some other people. So that'll be really exciting. We've got the next Doctor Strange movie called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. And that just excites me for so many reasons. But also, Kevin Feige said the stories and events that will take place in the WandaVision TV series on the Disney Streaming Plus will lead directly into that movie, which is why it's all interconnected and why they've already got my money. So... <laughs> uh. You were watching something about the Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Yeah, so a lot of my time on YouTube is spent watching speculation videos about stuff that was happening in comics and movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one of my favorite ones is New Rock Stars um, and their YouTube channel, New Rock Stars, which is great. They do a lot of trailer breakdowns and movie breakdowns, Easter egg stuff, things like that. And... Uh, yeah, so they were talking about what it could all mean and what the movie might include and things like that, which I'm not going to get into. They do a much better job of. You can find that on New Rockstars, uh, uh, youtube.com slash New Rockstars, and check that out if you're interested. But all the stuff that they're talking about is like, I'm like so excited for Phase 4. I'm very um, nervous, actually, about the Doctor Strange movie. Well, because it's being described by Scott Derrickson, the director of the first movie, who's coming back for the second one, yeah. as the first Marvel horror film. Right, and I don't do horror. Now, Kevin Feige did say it would still be PG-13. Uh, so it's okay. it's only going to be probably so horrifying. It's probably going to be more <gasps> suspenseful and, like, creepy. Yeah. Less, like, uh, okay. gory horror. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be able to handle... Uh, the creep level. I mean, I'll try. You know, if it if it is like creep, creepy, that kind of suspenseful, I will do my very best. Well, one of the characters Scott Derrickson wanted to use in the first Doctor Strange movie that he did not use. He went with Dormammu and uh, Kaisius, but if that he wanted to use was the villain Nightmare. Oh, which, that yeah, that sounds like something I would totally want to yeah. watch. <laughs> now, which. <laughs> You know, obviously would play into that horror 
kind of realm, which yeah. could be cool, but we'll see. Uh, so yeah, we have Doctor Strange, and then um, Black Widow. Black Widow talked about that. Yeah, what else? Uh, um, and then oh, uh, Thor four, which <laughs> is called. It's Thor. just saying Thor four is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, the Thorth movie. The, yeah, Thor yeah. four. But it's called <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder. Which is also hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the logo, if you're into design, the logo yeah. looks like a straight up 80s hair metal band cover, like Metallica. You know, I don't think I've seen it. Uh, yeah, well, it looks pretty crazy. Yeah. And, um, but this is um, Taika Waititi, who was the director of Thor Ragnarok. Whether you loved it or hated it, I loved it. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's coming back for the fourth one. Uh, he was also the voice of Korg in that movie, and, and um, so <laughs> I love Korg. <laughs> anyway, he's directing the fourth one, and uh, he's pulling a lot from the Mighty Thor storyline, uh, which included the um, transfer of Thor's worthiness um, away from Thor. Thor becomes unworthy. Oh, uh, big which surprise! They, they did kind of play with a little bit in th- at the end of Thor Ragnarok, or well, in Thor Ragnarok, and then with. Some of the stuff in Endgame. Yeah. Uh, but when he is unworthy, the mantle of Thor still has to be upheld. Someone has to um, yep. wield Mjolnir and be worthy of the power Mjol- of Thor. Mjolnir? Mjol- yeah, thank you. Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Thank you, Darcy. And um, <laughs> So during that time in the comic books, a... All you see for the longest time in the comics, the only indication of that it, this is a human woman is that it the that the hammer, I believe, if I remember correctly, lands on Earth and then uh, a woman picks up the hammer and she becomes the mighty Thor. Does and she know? I'm sorry. She becomes the mighty Thor, and not not Lady Thor, not female Thor, just the mighty Thor. I love that. Like like Thor is a title now, of course. Thor Odinson is like his name, but she takes yes. on the mantle of Thor and then through the unworthy Thor storyline, he's just known as Odinson and she's known as the mighty Thor. That's awesome. Anyway, you discover uh, that it is actually Jane Foster who has had a relationship with Thor in the past and in the mm-hmm. MCU. And uh, she is dying of cancer in the comic books. And oh. while, while she has the powers of Thor, she is healthy totally fine but anytime she's not thor like the cancer returns oh so it's an interesting like dynamic story i don't like it so how they play with that i don't know oh no but but they've got uh natalie portman coming back who for a long time was really unhappy with what marvel was doing especially for women characters yeah but they've changed a lot and um for the better and so she was announced as coming back as jane foster and taika watiti handed her uh mjolnir like a prop of it. Mjolnir. 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 Yeah, thank you. I don't, I don't now know. Now you've messed I, me up because of your Darcy thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> Mjolnir. And handed it over to her and uh, announced that the that the Mighty Thor storyline was going to be used. And so we're going to see a Jane Foster Thor. Um, now, whether or not this has anything to do with some of the multiverse stuff being mm-hmm. talked about in Doctor Strange, where there's going to be several Thors, or if this is still in the same continuity continuity and timeline or if this is a branch timeline because of the stuff that took place in endgame i don't know it's all speculation mm. but i have so many questions yeah that's probably a good thing right yep. it means i'm gonna go and see the movie and 
And that, that'll, that'll come out in like 2021. So I think we're like two years from that. Okay, but here's my biggest question. Maybe 2022 if I, I don't remember, but yeah. yeah. Go ahead. All right, here's the deal. Jane Foster knows uh, she would recognize Thor's hammer. She would also know that uh, nobody can walk around just picking it up. So what? I, I'm so curious as to what is going to be the impetus for her to attempt to pick up this hammer in the MCU. I, I wouldn't like, I have no idea, especially because in our current timeline, again, if this is a continuity continuity issue, yes, our current timeline, Mjolnir is destroyed. It was destroyed by Hela. You're right. And Stormbreaker is what Thor has now. Oh, she's going to get, if she gets Stormbreaker, I'm going to be so excited. Well, you don't need to be worthy to wield Stormbreaker. Oh, I thought maybe that had, like, transferred. No, because Thor's power is also not based on the hammer totally. No. Uh, in Thor Ragnarok, Odin says, you know, you're the god of thunder, not the god of hammers. Yeah. You know, your power was never about the hammer, but it was about you. Yes. Now, again, that power is transferred to whoever is worthy, but the worthiness sure. is also, like, tied to the hammer itself, which is why. Okay. Other characters, when deemed worthy, have been able to pick it up. Yeah. So, um, that is your nerd fact for the day. Now, uh... Wait. We have to go back. What? I know Hela destroyed the hammer, but... And I feel like Endgame has been out long enough. Like, I don't have to talk about spoilers. I don't have to say anything, right? Look, uh, Tuesday, July 30th, Endgame comes out on digital, so if you've reached this point in the episode and you still haven't seen Endgame, just watch it on Tuesday and then listen to this Tuesday night or Wednesday. Okay. All right, go ahead. Spoilers. Spoilers. When they went back in time, Mjolnir, they went back far enough so that Mjolnir still existed because Cap wields... Mjolnir. So doesn't Mjolnir exist again? Um, so Mjolnir is picked up by uh, Thor when he visits the Dark Thor. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's a reference to a different podcast that I listen to. I don't, um, don't know what that is. Thor the Dark World. Oh, okay. <laughs> they Do they just call it the Dark Thor? They call it Thor the Dark Thor. <laughs> There's Thor the first Thor, Thor the Dark Thor, and then Thor 3. <laughs> They just get weird with their names. And then Thor 4. So Thor the Dark Thor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thor the Dark World. When they visit that timeline when the uh, reality stone known as the ether in liquid form is in Jane Foster, Mm -hmm. they go to get it, steal it from her. Anyway, he... This is when it's Thor Lebowski and he's not sure if he's worthy. Thor Lebowski? He's kind of lost it. Yeah. Um, but he holds up his hand right before he leaves and he finds out he's still worthy of wielding Mjolnir, which has been destroyed in his timeline. And he takes it back with him. And then fast forward, Cap is worthy, all this stuff happens. And mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, Cap has to go back and return the stones to the point that he left them. Yes. And so he has to go back to that timeline. He takes Mjolnir with him and returns but- it. Okay, so he does return it? Yes. We see him return it? Because I don't remember well, that. Well, we don't see him actually return it, okay. but we see him We see him carry it and set it down on the platform and pick it up 
like right before he goes back in time uh, when Hulk sends him back. So we, we see him take that and the stones with him when he goes back to return everything. Yes. Okay. And then we see old Cap at the end. And he so, doesn't have the hammer with him. No, the assumption mean is... that he didn't bring the hammer back. There's a lot of assumptions there. He would have to return it, though, because Thor needs to oh, have the hammer. that's true. In order for everything else to happen. Right. Uh, okay. But again, based on timelines and things like that, who knows? What if... What if old Cap somehow got the hammer back? So you bring up an interesting point. They're also doing a, a limited animated series, and they're getting the actors who play the characters to do the voices. Really? Yep, which will also be on the oh, Disney Plus awesome. service. And it's called What If. And there is a... Oh, man. There is a, um, there is a comic line from Marvel called What If. Yeah. Th- where it does, like, what if... Um, like, what if Iron Man was... Also, you know, a mutant and like, you know, it's oh. just, they just like do random things. Okay. And so you have like these characters who also have, that are put in these what if situations. Like it's not what happens in the storyline, the main continuity, but it's like, what if Thor was also a frog and <laughs> <laughs> you have Throg, the Throg, Frog of Thunder. Yeah. And so like. Um, and, and Throg is an actual character. Oh, it's look not. It Seriously? Yes. Yeah, look him up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and Which is why there's a reference to it. Any, anyway, there's references uh, to it in the movies. Really? Yeah. Oh, you know, so they do these different what-if storylines and things like that. So they're going to be doing an animated series mm-hmm. in the Disney streaming mm-hmm. service, which will be pretty exciting. Um, anyway. Do you think that might be how they could bring it back? I don't know. I have, I have no idea. I love what if scenarios because every time I see a movie that I really love and it has this uh, intricate plot and, and whatever, particularly like Endgame, where there's um, multi, multiple, multiple like uh, timelines or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I'm all, I always think, what if? What if they stayed? What if they did this? What if they did that? I love, I love that. So the, that's very exciting to me. I love what ifs. Yeah. Good what ifs. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Um, some of those series that are going to be coming out will be like a, they're not going to be available right away. Uh, just like the, so like that, the Disney service, Disney plus launches in November of this year, 2019. Mm-hmm. But those series will come out um, over the course of the next three years alongside what the movies are doing. So it's not like, oh, those will all be out like day one, like launch day. And then you got to wait for the movies. It'll just like anything else, you know, they'll release it at a certain point to continue continue the story. Yeah. Uh, So it'll be interesting how they, how they pull that off. It's a definitely Mm -hmm. a different direction. But then he also talked about Kevin Feige also said, uh, now we don't have time to talk about um, guardians of the galaxy three, you know, saying that that's going to happen. We don't have time to talk about Captain Marvel 2, which is oh, going to happen. Oh. We don't have time to talk about Black Panther 2, which ah, is going to happen. Yes. Um, and he said, nor do we have time to talk about the Fantastic Four, which they now have the rights back to since they bought Fox. Oh. And so that's going to be happening, and I'm so excited about that. He <laughs> said, and then he goes, and we also, we definitely don't have time to talk about mutants. <gasps> oh, which, yeah. man. So there's plans for that. Oh, my gosh. 
And then he made like one final announcement. And this one has me the most excited. Okay. <laughs> probably, uh, other than Doctor Strange, probably more excited than any other announcement. Yeah. Uh, he brings out Mahershala Ali, who is a great actor. Mm-hmm. And they announced that they're doing a Blade movie. And in the 90s and early 2000s, they had a Blade trilogy with Wesley Snipes, which is terribly fun to watch. Um, <laughs> but Blade was one of my favorite favorite characters in that like Marvel Legends series with like Ghost Rider and um, some of the Marvel Knights like Daredevil, things like that. Like kind of these like darker heroes or they have like these strange powers um, and they're sometimes a little more violent. But I've, I like these characters. And so Blade is half vampire, half human. He's a daywalker, so he has all the powers of a vampire except for he can walk around in sunlight, and which is, like, super exciting. Uh, his skin does not glow sparkly in the daylight, though. <laughs> uh, for Twilight fans. But he hunts vampires. So he's a vampire hunter, but he's half vampire. I'm telling you, this is like an existential crisis. That is what that is. Well, there's so going to be an existential crisis. If I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, you can write me hate mail if I'm wrong. Um, his mom was human. His dad was a vampire. Mm-hmm. And vampires killed his mother. And so that's why he became a vampire hunter. Gotcha. That, yeah, okay. Like, so it's all part of his like, backstory and stuff. I see. Uh, but he is... You know, there's, again, when we think about representation in film in a predominantly white male um, universe of heroes across the board, not just Marvel, but that, you know, it happens a lot in all all things. Yes. Um, Blade um, is one of the few standout um, black characters that has always been awesome to watch whether it's been in like the old spider-man cartoons because he used to feature in those sometimes okay with like morbius who is the living vampire who would he, he would always try and hunt and stuff anyway um, <laughs> or like black panther you know these characters that are so strong and so great and awesome to watch and to see like black mm-hmm. panther on the big screen has been so so cool and yeah then like now to introduce somebody else like blade who is on a different side of the scale like for what he does and who he is but has always been cool like I'm so excited about it. I never saw the like that Blade trilogy. I don't know anything about it. Uh, well, you're not missing much, if I'm honest. Oh, okay. Because uh, they're definitely of the time. Yeah. Like EDM club music in, okay. the, in the background, very Matrix esque leather. Could still be fun to watch. Yeah, but it, they are in the more horror genre. Oh, then probably not as fun to watch for me. No. Okay. Um, but it's uh, it's it's pretty good. I think that I think that that is so exciting though. What you're talking about. Yeah. So I'll I'll be interested to see how they end up pulling that off and and whatnot. But just the fact that they yeah. even announced it, like they didn't announce when it's coming out. It just said Blade. So I oh, it's probably man. super early on. Um, in fact, I think I read. I think I read that Mahershala Ali even just found out like maybe two weeks before that. So it could have just been, it could be very brand new. Like found out that they wanted him for the part or found out or like, that he has the part? Like, like I, they solidified it like oh, maybe two weeks before. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, which reminds me of the final, final thing I want to say before we move into what we're going to do. And that is, 
Our son is awake. <laughs> I'll go get him. So the last thing I wanted to say about the San Diego Comic-Con news before uh, we move into what we're going to do today is that they're also doing uh, Shang-Chi and uh, things called The Legend of the Ten Rings. And so they're bringing back the the Ten Rings, which is the group that kidnapped Tony Stark in Iron Man 1. Oh. And is also where the real Mandarin is supposed to be from. Oh. Okay. And uh, so that'll be exciting, too. I'm really excited about that storyline and... Shang-Chi, which I know nothing about, but I'm excited to learn, and it'll be cool to kind of tie that back in and see what to do with that. Yeah, that's awesome. So with all that, with the San Diego Comic-Con news, our son coughing in the background, and (laughs) uh, uh, talking about the Arts Festival, I think uh, it's time for what we're going to do today. Yeah. Ready? Let's do it. So what we're going to do today is a segment where we talk about the projects we're currently working on, projects we've got coming up, um, and the things that we are excited about and to help keep each other accountable. Um, so thank you once again to everybody who continues to send stuff in, uh, who has shared with us some of the projects they're working on, yep. uh, whether it be our guests or any of you guys who email to us. You can email the show, stokethewild at gmail.com, with uh, projects you're working on if you want to help keep each other accountable, and we'll share that as well so joy what are some of the things you got going on right now i am still into printmaking i still like that i still like oh good doing what i still like it well i just (laughs) (laughs) i just mean it's something that i am intentionally still pursuing and i've added a new thing to uh, I guess a, a new uh, skill that I'm trying to learn that I'm working on and that is something that you helped me with and that is gesture drawing yep not to be confused oh okay he's coughing still not to be confused with gesture drawing gesture <laughs> Joy is drawing gestures. I'm drawing gestures it's the new thing She's that I do and around <laughs> uh, no gesture drawing yeah doing quick loose uh, movements of people. Yeah. Uh, capturing the motion and the movement mm-hmm. um, of their position, their spine, their body, and I have that out. I have a project in my mind. Oh, cool! And I'm not going to share it yet because it's, it's 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 still in my mind. But I have a project based around that gesture drawing, and I'm very excited. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on um, a couple of different things. Again, I'm slowly but surely working on uh the kids poetry book um just just kind of plowing through that another uh big seller at the arts festivals we talking about earlier were not only the dinosaur skulls which i've been drawing for fun but Mm -hmm. the uh um, the octopack which is the poem on the seven-legged octopus that i wrote and uh, yes. the postcards and the pins and the stickers, those were pretty big sellers too, which was really cool. Um, so that's all part of the book that I've already got available mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to just kind of help support that. Um, and then last week I mentioned that I'm working on a, uh, a series of paintings uh, and figuring out what they're all going to look like still. Um, but just the, the hint of what that's going to be like is that they're going to be based in modern mythology. Mm-hmm and legends um and so 
I've got two for sure in mind, and I'm trying to come up with at least one more just to kind of have like a triptych series of um, of these modern mythology, modern legends um, of real people, but are, that seem bigger than life. Yeah. Uh, and so that that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And, um, and then I've got a contract um, that I'm – a contract for some sketch cards that I'm, I'm finishing up. Uh, for Upper Deck Trading Card Company and Marvel. Uh, so finishing that up, I can't tell you what series it is right now, but I can tell you that I'm doing that uh, mm-hmm. with Upper Deck. And so the project that I'm working on for that is due in like a week and a half. So i got to finish those up. And then, of course, I've got that commission from the Arts Festival, which uh, I've got to finish up as well. Yeah. It's all very exciting. Elo is really just having a time. He's over yeah. here eating his breakfast, and he keeps, like, stretching and making tiny little noises. So if you hear tiny noises in the background, yeah. that's just our two-year-old yep. being, being remarkably quiet. Yeah, for once. Being a good boy. <laughs> being really good. Yeah, he is being super good. Yeah, you're being quiet. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, but that's the stuff that we got that we're working on. Again, you can reach out to us at the show. Stoke the wild at gmail.com. Let us know what you got uh, or you're working on, or just to share with us your thoughts on the show, your stories, mm-hmm. things like that. And so um, that's what we've got going on. And uh, I think that is the show. You can follow me at Nick Dertinger Art. You can find me at JM Dertinger. And find everything regarding Stoke the Wild at StokeTheWild.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at StokeTheWild as well. And so we thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.